And it's presenting that evidence back to leadership and it's evidence progress that you use at certain milestones to make decisions. So it's a completely different way of funding projects. One predefined ROI driven, one it's about how much did you learn since I last talked to you? And, and is it work, do we want to continue to progress this new growth initiative based on the evidence? Welcome to Innovation Talks. Join us weekly as we discuss with distinguished industry guests how to refine and improve corporate innovation and new product development. Hosted by Paul Heller, Sophion Chief Evangelist. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Glad you could join us again. You know, in our lives, sometimes we meet interesting people, we cross paths, and they have uh, they have a lot of good things that, that help us in different ways. And I've been fortunate to have... Uh, uh, Noel Sobelman in that position for me. And he's been on the podcast a couple of times and just has shared some really great insights. So to remind you, Noel is the uh, is with Change Logic. He's out there consulting with customers to help them do a better job at innovation. He's doing research. He's really out at the forefront and just has a lot of great ideas. And when he's been on a couple of times and people have written in and say, hey, that, that was a really good episode. So uh He's agreed to come back again. Noel, welcome back. Thanks, Paul. I'm glad to be back again. Yeah, glad you could join us. How's uh, how's business on your end of the world? Good. It's definitely picking up. It's not quite traveling as much as I'd like. I think that's just around the horizon. I just got my third shot, my booster. Hey, so good. Good. I'm, I'm I'm ready to go. When you're uh, ready to go, yeah. my clients are so. Yeah, yeah. I've heard the same thing. Some are picking up, some picked up a little bit, dropped back, and are picking up again. We're just in that emergence state, I guess. Yeah. Uh, you and I talked about a, a very interesting topic, and I, I'd love for you to introduce it rather than me this time around. So maybe I, I give you the microphone and uh, describe for this this uh, this area we're going to talk about today. Yeah, we, 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 we're going to talk about ambidexterity and this concept of having to simultaneously manage your core business and your exploratory business or your your tran for transformative innovation. It's a real challenge for organizations to do both of these simultaneously. Uh, the, the pressures of day-to-day -day making your quarterly numbers and unfortunately the the core or the exploit exploiting your existing business is going to win out every time because yeah. because of the, the the way incentives are set up and the way companies uh, leaders really grew up just optimizing the business and scaling a business. It was it's all been all about efficiency and, and driving waste out of out of a, out of the system. Um, but now we find ourselves in these times where the pace of change, technology change, a lot of you know digital. You're, you're reading every day about uh, digital technologies that are opening up new business models, new opportunities. And companies are getting disrupted more so that you know the, the, there's the statistic that the uh, you know, S and P 500, the turnover in the S and P 500, is one statistic people like to point to. So that pace of change and that that environment that we're in, especially with the pandemic, companies are learning that if we just focus in on optimizing our core, we're eventually going to run into problems, and we need to be thinking about the future. So how do we manage both of these simultaneously, manage them at the same time? It's not an easy thing to do. And that's where the term ambidexterity comes in, doing, walking and chewing gum at the same time, yeah. doing both, planning for today and driving the business for today. And also, how do you develop your future before you get disrupted? Yeah. So just describe 
transformative innovation and maybe how that's different, you know, core innovation, maybe just take our listeners through kind of both, both parts to it there. Sure. Um, the way I like to think about it is, you know, if you, if you look at going further away from what you know today, so going from your current technologies and products and also your current markets that you serve today and going further out on those two, two dimensions, um, either getting, getting into newer technologies or getting into newer markets and, and going after uh, newer customers uh, that you have not, have not served before. So as you get further away from the core, your uncertainty increases. But guess what? Your growth potential also increases. So you're going into higher risk reward territory. So it's, it think, I think about it as you get far enough away from the core, you're going into some companies use the horizons model. You're going into a, you're, you're thinking about longer term opportunities or completely new business models uh, when you get further away from that core and your uncertainty goes way up. And, and, and if you're completely disrupting your business and going into creating a brand new category, new to the world category, there's extreme uncertainty. So what we've learned over the years is that when you're in that transformative space or the exploratory space, you have different uh, a different way that you need to manage your business. And so ambidextrous to be ambidextrous requires a different way of working. And we can, we can talk more about that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, our companies, are they up for that? I mean, I, they have to, right? There's no choice in, in many, many, many industries and companies, but uh, how to do that, right? How do you, how do you, from the top down, I mean, you know, you've got to do it, but you're funding, like you said, all of your measurement systems around your core, right? So how, how does a company kind of even get started in, in the second one? Some of the key lessons that we've learned over the years, for one, yeah, you need sufficient separation with, with that remit, remit to allow different, more, more of these oper, entrepreneurial operating processes to thrive. So um, there's different operating processes. So separating them out from the core um, and managing them differently is, is one piece of it. But it goes well beyond just that, that separation that many people talk about. What um, ChangeLogic's founders, uh, Tushman and O'Reilly, they're, they're the ones that really came up or popularized the term ambidexterity. Um, what they will tell you is that it really requires ambition that really motivates the, the, the organization around an overarching purpose. You're going to ha have this tension between the core and explore. So at the highest levels of the organization, you need to have that, that mission. You know, so for Google, it might be to organize the world's information. Um, for Tesla, it's about uh, accelerating towards uh, sustainable energy sources. It's not about cars. It's, it's, a, it's right. a higher level mission or purpose-driven uh, ambition that, like I say, is overarching. It ties together both the core and the exploratory sides. Um, so that's important, and that's something leadership uh, needs to build and, and communicate to the organization. It also requires a, a clear strategy that justifies the need for both the core and the transformative that's reinforced with uh, shared goals and incentives. And then it also requires that leaders confront the, the inevitable tensions that happen between the core and explore. There's going to be lots of tension between, like we say, the core business is going to win out every time based on the way many leaders are incented. So when there are 
conflicts over sharing resources or the fear of, of cannibalization. And, and those kinds of tensions, those kinds of paradoxes that define ambi- the core versus explore, those need to be confronted at the highest levels of the organization. And what I've found is that the biggest challenge is really that when you get down to how are we going to allocate our resources, our people. So when you're trying to balance these two separate operating models, uh, that at some point when you're exploring the new, you're going to need to leverage the core resources, the core assets. And when you um, when it gets down to the people and you start to get closer to the point where you need to scale a new a new business, you're going to have to make some tough decisions. Do I allocate resources towards this thing that doesn't have a real certain ROI yet? It's, it's, there's still lots of uncertainty as to whether it's going to be successful. It's not bringing in revenue today. And maybe it might stay, we might have to say no to some shorter term things with a more certain outcome um, in order to appropriately allocate resources to the, the longer term opportunity. And it's that courage to, to make that tough decision that is, it really needs to happen at those highest levels uh, of leadership. It's more than just separation. There's these different aspects. It gets into different processes, and you also have to make sure you're, you're integrating. I like to call this separation. It's, more, it's not a complete separation like a skunk works. I like to refer to it as an island with a, with a bridge to the mainland. You have to look at those integration points along the way, and the, the advantage that large established companies have over startups is that they have a lot of resources, distribution channels. They have, they have access to customers. They have a brand. You, you, know, you want to leverage that at the appropriate, in the appropriate way as you're scaling these, these new sources of growth. Yeah. So if you're, if you're big enough and you can have enough resource, maybe have enough capital, right? Or whatever it takes, you can do it. Is there a size where you say a company's too small to, to really do that or, or maybe the challenge becomes much, much greater because, you know, I've heard some people say, well, we'll have to spin off a company to do it because we can't do it ourselves. How does that fit in from a company size standpoint or does it? That's a great question. As companies scale, most of the companies I work with are very large. They have business units that, that would would make the Fortune 500 yeah. list. So yeah. they're very they're very large and that they're the ones that have to make that decision. Do I create a separate unit? that reports directly to the C-suite that is responsible for these transformative innovations, or do I let my business units manage yeah. those? Those And and the, the, the question of spinoff versus integrating a new growth source into a business unit, it really, if there's not a lot of benefit of that leverage, if you're not leveraging the, the existing business, then maybe a spinoff may, might make sense. But the degree to which you're going to leverage the assets of the core business, you're going to need to to face the fact that you're going to you're going to need to scale it within the context of of the larger cor- corporation. Yeah, and I could see if you separate it too much and you're not leveraging your core, it's a higher risk proposition as well, isn't it? Because you, that just by nature says, hey, whatever you're doing for transformation is really brand new to your company, as opposed to maybe something you have experiences with and might leverage. So if you say, we're going to leverage some of our skills or technology or capability or smarts or what have you, then by definition, you're going to need that bridge back and to lean on those resources, right? You know, there, there's different stages of developing you know, the, these transformative innovations or, or these new sources of growth. So um, in the early stages, you know, it's it's about identifying a problem worth solving, what, what's that job to be done, and then 
you know, in an opportunity area that fits our strategy. And once you understand you, you have an op- a problem that's, that you want, to, you want to solve, and then I- ideating the solution and incubating that and de-risking that, there's differences in doing that than the traditional approach, whether it be stage gate or agile development. So there's this distinction yeah. between core and explore or core and transformative innovation that it's not just on the, the scaling side. It starts up front when you're d- defining those problems and, and translating those into s- solutions and then validating those solutions. So, for example, you know, you know traditionally you might govern your your gated development process with go no good go no go decisions at predefined gates with funding decisions based on traditional financials like NPV ROI. Whereas when you're on the transformative end of the spectrum, it's more about venture governance. You're you're more of a venture capitalist and you're funding in, you know, you can call it metered funding or funding in tranches based on Mm -hmm. evidence and readiness level. So you don't, you can't yet put together an ROI because it's so new. So you have to use what, you know, what we call learning or behavioral metrics. What are some of those leading indicators by running rapid experiments and getting you know, what action is the customer taking? Are they taking action that validates this solution that we've come up with? And it's presenting that evidence back to leadership and it's evidence progress that you use at certain milestones to make decisions. So it's a completely different way of funding projects. One predefined ROI driven, one it's about how much did you learn since I last talked to you and, and is it wor- do we want to continue to progress this new growth initiative based on the evidence. The processes are very different. It's Yeah, so talk about the processes a little bit. How are they different? One's more linear. You know, the focus is on quality of execution on the in the core. It's about execution and completing your deliverables and the outcomes at the at the end of each major milestone. Whereas with the, the process in the more transformative side, um, when you're exploring new sources of growth, it's nonlinear. It's it's more of an iterative path from discovery through scale up. You're, it's more of a learning focus, as I as I mentioned, and it's about de-risking and, and validating your higher highest risk assumptions. So that solution is evolving as you learn from the customer with those rapid experiment with that rapid experimentation approach. Yeah. So I think you've talked about process, governance, uh, the the recognition rewards. You've talked about cultural aspects, leadership. It's it's quite a broad set of of, uh, of aspects to it, isn't it? That's why I think you've said ambidexterity. Right? You really have to be good at it. Well, yeah. So there's uh, Tushman and O'Reilly talk about you know there's the the structural part of execution. There's the processes that's they call that the hardware but there's also the software the 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 people the skills and the culture where what we've learned over the years is that leaders are good they get the the hardware part but the software part is equally as important to making this Mm -hmm. work and that's where you get into making sure that you you understand it gets back to the you know you need to articulate that ambition and, and that purpose that that overarching purpose that I talked about that kind of can unite those separate cultures because it really is two different cultures. There's there's one for the core, which is about efficiency and delivering on time. And then there's one for the transformative innovations, which is more exploratory, more about uh, rapid learning. Yeah, yeah. And a company like ours comes in and we want to provide the systems to do that. So uh, we're kind of ready for core and transformative type of solutions, but we need, we need the map to be there. So, so you going out and getting that mapped out 
is really important for uh, the companies like Sofion when we when we want to engage. It has to be that has to be established. Otherwise, we're just going to fall on our face. Well, well, I think portfolio management is that link between strategy and execution, where the the tension for for those resources. It, what PPM systems provide is that visibility. If we're going to allocate resource, leverage our core in order to create these new sources of growth, we have to understand. We have to make sure that we're not horse trading resources back and forth. When times are bad, we're just pulling our resources off of these new growth initiatives. Right. We need to be proactive and see when there's going to be constraints, um, because as you get, like I say, as you get closer to scaling up a, a new solution, it requires more from marketing, more from supply chain. Um, you know, operations starts to get involved, manufacturing you're manufacturing a product as you're scaling a new solution. Um, so you're tapping into those resources that, you know, the, the core doesn't want to, doesn't want to give up. Right. So yeah, having yeah. that visibility through a tool, a PPM system is, is a great way to not be so reactive is to anticipate where those constraints are. So you can, you can flex capacity as needed, either through a partner or, or forcing that tough decision. I'm not going to invest in these, these low value core products so I can keep this, promising opportunity in the explore category going. Yeah. Or even to understand that you're not executing your strategy. You said you were going to put whatever, 15% of your, 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 your resources into this particular type of innovation and you're not. The reality is you're only getting 5%, right? That, that awareness can also be there from a portfolio standpoint. Yes. That's the beauty of uh, the PPM system is you're, you can basically look and see, okay, we, we said our strategy is this, whether it be investment allocation across growth horizons or across geographies or across product lines. But the reality, our data is showing that it's not. Our resources, our people are disproportionately assigned to incremental innovation. And we're not, and so we can't expect to hit our growth goals in the in years two, three, four, five, six. So, the power of these tools is to make it visible and to make it visible in real time. We're not talking about disconnected spreadsheets where it takes weeks to pull this data together. We're talking about always on real time data that shows you here's how we're allocating our our funding, and as projects change, we keep that information up to date. So, P PPM systems are uh, a necessary enabler for allowing this ambidextry, we, ambidexterity we've been talking about. Yeah. Well, that was really interesting, Noel. I'm sure glad you uh, stopped by to share some of that with us. Do you have any uh, last minute comments uh, on it that you want to share before we kind of close up our session today? I definitely think solving this challenge, because what, what I've described, what we've talked about, Paul, is is not easy. But I think it's necessary, and, I, and we've come a long way. We've come a long way with the tools and the techniques and the capabilities to, to discover, ideate, incubate, and scale new sources of growth. And now we've come up against this, okay, now how do we manage this tension that's with the core? We're, we're learning. So I, I think the companies that can figure this out and effectively manage both sides of this equation without trading off one for the other are going to set themselves up for success in the, in the future. Yeah. And you mentioned that, you know, early on the the leaders, the, the founders at Change Logic had really studied this and made some of those discoveries. If people want to learn more about some of that, would you suggest they visit your website or what's the best way to kind of start to engage in it? Yeah, absolutely. That's a good place to start. So changelogic.com. 
They just published the second edition of their book, Lead and Disrupt, which has new chapters. I think Intel's in there and Amazon. So they, they, they've, they've, been, yeah. they've been studying companies that do it the right, that, that have figured this out, companies that have challenges. And they, they've been studying this for, for decades. And they summarize their, their research with plenty of examples in Lead and Disrupt. So, yeah. um, and then there's another book coming out in, uh, I believe it's in January, called The Corporate Explorer, uh, which also goes, oh, uh, nice. goes deeper into the, 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 the kind of the who's, who's going to champion these new initiatives and how do they navigate the, the organization to get it done. That's something that we can look forward to early next yeah. year. Yeah, excellent, excellent. So Lead and Disrupt and then The Corporate Explorer is coming out. Good. Yep. We'll make sure we put a few links in and mentions in our show notes about that. Well, Noel, it's, as always, it's a pleasure. You're out there doing some fun stuff, and it's really uh, always interesting to hear what uh, what what you're up against. Every time we talk, it's it's something different. It's something new. If there's a guy that has ambidexterity, I think you might be might be him. <laughs> so, <laughs> Thank you, Paul. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Have a great day, Noel, and we'll talk again soon. Okay. Talk soon. All right. And to all your listeners, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did and I wish you a great week ahead and uh, we'll, we'll talk to you next time. Bye for now. Thanks for joining us this week for Innovation Talks with Paul Heller. If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, or wherever you listen to podcasts. For additional information on today's topic, check out sophion.com, S-O-P-H-E-O-N.com, where you will find plenty of innovation-centric content and corporate best practices. If you'd like to discuss anything with Paul or would like to get in touch with the show, email us at talks at sophion.com.